0: You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Clarent Blue podcast. We've got a very special guest episode today. I'm your host, Dan Rowenson, joined by Ashley Priest. Ashley before we introduce our guest, you okay? I, I thought I was okay. a
1: special guest then Why you enjoyed well, that you're right yeah and well, looking forward to this one but, yeah so um yeah buzzing for
0: this actually before we started what's the biggest kind of question you wanted to ask i guess and what we're going to find out we've got some uh, extensive of questions so it's hopefully hopefully our guest is willing to sit here for an hour or so introducing neil cutler to the current blue podcast how are you neil
2: very well thank you very well yeah all recharged <laughs> i've had a bit of rest now so i'm um, yeah feeling good Reintroduced myself to the kids <laughs> and the family so yeah all good
0: I suppose we go back chronological order, we'll do this when you joined Villa. Um how did that move come about in you November know, eighteen? Can you kind of explain the process?
2: Yeah, well I was at West Brom at the time and um things were going quite well at West Brom. Um I was working with Ben Foster and stepped up with Darren Moore, um, when Alan Pardew left and I was enjoying it. Uh, I was enjoying the football club. Um, but when Aston Villa comes calling and Dean Smith comes calling, I, I just had to I had to move forward. I had to move on to it. Um, I understood that the size of Aston Villa, the size of the football club, the direction it was heading. Um, he didn't really have to sell it too much to me. I'd worked with Dean before, obviously, and we we've got a really good relationship. So it was it was a, a no brainer for me and the family. Um, so then, obviously, when I had a chat with Dean, with Christian, and and things went from there. But it was,
0: it was seamless, really. The move across was quite seamless. What's that like, initial conversation like? Does, does Dino give you a WhatsApp? Does he ring you? What no, he happens? rang me.
2: I think I was away at the time. My boy who plays actually plays for Wolves. He's a goalkeeper at Wolves. We were away in Germany. Uh, he was on a, on a tournament in, in Germany. So um, he just rang me, just rang me straight away and said, look, there's an opening coming up. Would you, would you fancy coming to work with me again? And, and because of how, how well we did at Warsaw and the relationship we have, like I say, it was it was a no-brainer, so it was more or less a, a yes straight away. Although the relationships I had with Darren Moore, um, Jimmy Shan, and people like that at West Brom uh, w- was really good. I mean, I loved working with them. I loved working with the football club, and but the pull of Aston Villa was 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 too much for me, and, and the size of the club and the direction it was heading. It was it like a bonus kind of staying in the area as well. Is that does that help with the kids? Uh, I think it does. I think. My, uh, with the family, have moved around a lot over the years with me in football. Um, so I think it was just important that we, we did stay in the area um, for for a period of time. Uh, obviously, it was at Warsaw, then went to West Brom, and then obviously the Villa thing was. But that wasn't that wasn't the, the, the main part for me. The main part was the size of the football club and the direction my career was going to head. Yeah, well, what's Dean like to work with? Give give us a flavour, Dean Smith. Fantastic. I mean, I <laughs> think with Dean. Uh, He's a friend, but also he's, he's so driven. The best part of him is his emotional control is unbelievable. Um, like you win, you lose, you draw. He's the same person. He's a people person. His personality is first class. Everybody that's come across him will will say exactly the same thing about him. He doesn't get too high, he doesn't get too low, but he's massively driven and taking places forward. He creates cultures. He creates a, a real culture within a football club. It gains a togetherness, which I think everybody saw at the time at Aston Villa. He did exactly the same at Walsall. He got the players, the fans, the staff, everybody was together in the same journey. Did exactly the same at Aston Villa. That's what he does. He creates a culture. He creates a kind of a, an atmosphere around the football club where you can come into work and you just be yourself there's no egos there's just you come in you do your work to the best of your ability and, and, and you go um, I think that's the, the the main part about him is that he creates that togetherness he does it seamlessly he just does it through his own personality
1: yeah I'm going to ask that how, how, how does he do just, just through meetings and just galvanising
2: yeah group? just being a, just being himself like the way he go gets around the players the way he gets around the staff he'll treat the the cleaner the same way as he'll tre- treat one of the first team players it's just that, like I say creating a, a culture where everybody's on the journey and the same direction everybody's willing to fight that's the thing if you're a good person people are willing to to run through brick walls for you and that's what he creates um and that's what happened at at, at villa we created a culture we created uh, an atmosphere around the place where everybody's working for each other and pulling in the same same direction i think that's why we went on such a good run
0: i mean we're both supporters so i'm coming at this from a supporter point of view and you can hopefully Clarify if I'm wrong here. I said before we started, I'm very nosy. So if I say something that's over <laughs> the line, no just problem. pull me back in. It's fine. Yeah. Smith kind of talked a lot about kind of not getting too high with the highs, not getting too low with the lows to support us and that came across in, in press conferences and stuff as well. The impression I got from Gerard, and we've jumped ahead here massively, is that losing did affect him, it hurt him, he kind of really kind of ate him up. First yeah. of all, is that true? And if it is, which kind of environment is better to work under? Do you, would you prefer that kind of stable?
2: I feel for Steve, really, because Steve is a, is a good, good guy, like a real good guy, like yeah. generous, caring, driven. But obviously, he's not as experienced as Dean when it comes to management, so he would probably struggle a little, more, a little bit more than Dean does. Um, and I don't think the Villa fans really got to see his personality and how he is as a person as much as probably... He could have shown it a little bit more because he's a good, good guy, driven, obviously knowledgeable, obviously detailed. Um, but they didn't see the best of him, I don't think. Obviously, he's, he, he comes in every day and he kind of kept himself to himself a little bit. Like, and that's just the way he is, and that's probably the way he's had to be as a player. You know, that trust thing, been one of the best players in the world <laughs> for a long time. You know, there's only certain, certain amount of people you can bring into you. And, into your group and, and trust so I think he probably would have found that a little bit difficult you know bringing his personality over and allowing to, him to open up a little bit more with the players and and the fans um, because he's, he's a top person with, with some really good ideas and some really good thoughts and I think Given a bit more time, a bit more experience, he'll be able to bring that across a little bit more, you know, because his, his ideas and his thoughts were, were, were excellent, were, were very, very good. Obviously, he's he's been in the game a long, long time and knows the game, and I think that's just the next step of his development is that he'll bring that across a little bit more. His personality, how he is, like I don't think the fans saw how driven he actually was to win games, like massively driven, like wanted to, like desperate to win, and. Um, yeah, I just don't think they the fans really got to see the best of him.
0: How does that kind of drive to win come across like in a physical f- format? Is that loads of training sessions, is it big team meetings or can you explain yeah. how just that drive his, is his general
2: persona, just the way he is? Um he obviously the same as he was a player, that he brought over to be a manager. You could see as a player he was desperate to win, like his desire to win games. And yeah, I mean he brought it across in terms of, you know, how how we, um, how we spoke to players, how we did meetings, how we trained, um, but it just didn't quite happen. Just didn't quite happen, just didn't click. And I also think there was a little bit of, of bad luck along the way with that, When we were obviously winning, we, well, we had chances to win games and never took them. There's won. so many games where, you know, we created chances, we created chances and just couldn't score had injuries at but at, at difficult times and um, so i think you know he he Given a little bit more luck, he would have moved forward with that and it yeah. would have been a lot better for him because, like I say, he's he's not a bad person. He's not a bad manager. He's a top, top guy with some really good ideas.
0: Yeah. And that kind of came across in your tweet after he left. You kind of wished him well. as you He's know, a good yeah. guy, good to speak well, to stuff. Bit, and stuff. And fans know. kind of went back at that and so said... I said he didn't deserve that, but I him really
2: well. Because at the end of the day, results, fans want results. Exactly. And at the end of the day, results never came. And that's, that's just the way it is. Fans want to see a certain way that Villa are going to play and they want to see results as part of
0: it. yeah let's rewind back to the Dean Smith era. I'm sure we'll talk about Gerrard a, a little bit later um, 10 game winning run there was 10 results there in a row just explain to us what that must have been like that momentum of, of winning going to a game going we're going to win today
2: well I think <laughs> I think the first thing that, that Dean did really well was, was having Jack Grealish as, as a captain was huge in terms of galvanising the place, you know, getting everybody in the same direction. We spoke about that just, and, and not only did it get the staff and the players, but I think the, all the fans bought into, you know, we got a Villa fan as a manager, you got a Villa fan as a captain, and everybody was in it together. You know, That closeness was there. Um, and I think the, the main, the, the big game for me was, was Rotherham away when we beat Rotherham. Everybody was then like, we are, you know, that, that's a chance, yeah. so we've got a chance. And then it just, once you get the momentum and you get that on, and you get on a roll and all the players start to believe and all the players pull together and you've got a togetherness, and you've got a hell of a chance. And I think that's what, that's what it was mainly about, you know, the togetherness of the group. And I think that's what, at the minute, that's, that's been a bit tough for the group. The togetherness of the group is a little bit wayward at times, um, but that will come. Um, that, that they'll get closer together as results come. I think that what results bring is they bring the, cl- the lads closer together. Once you win a couple of games, and, and you, especially when you go through a game like Rotherham where you're behind and ten men, and you know, once you win games like that, that gets the group so close together and the belief and. And once you've got people in your team like Jack Grealish and John McGinn and people like that who are like, you know, like driven and they're characters and then um, you know, you've got half a chance.
0: Yeah. On that the decision to make Grealish captain, there's a question later on about in the project restart, there was a lot of images of you, Smith O'Kelly and Terry kind of together as like this team, this coaching team. Yeah. So, you know, you just think, well, you're a goalkeeping coach, you deal with the goalkeepers, but it looked like this unit of people that work together. Mm-hmm. On that decision to to make Grealish captain, how does that come about? Is that Dino going? I think this will work. Is that a group decision? Yeah, I think
2: I think the gaffer, was, Dean, was obviously a big player in that. Um, but he's Jack's work ethic in the training ground was were leadership qualities. You know, he was a last in every day. I wouldn't say it was a first in, but it was no. definitely the last yeah, yeah. in. Um, so his desire to improve was unbelievable. His desire to win in training every single day was was top top end. Like yeah. he would do anything to win a game. Like anything. Like his his desire we'd be arguing with people. He's just like he just wants to win. And that's, that's where loser. he is. He's a sore loser. He's <laughs> the worst sore loser ever. He'd blame <laughs> the coaching staff. He'd blame his players. Picture, blame... Yeah. yeah, but but you want people like that do anything to win and that's that's how he is that's how he's built you can see what he's like off the pitch you can see what he's done like in the World Cup now the way he is with with other people where, the way he goes about with charities and he's just a he's just a good honest guy you know that, that wants to win and that's what you want as a captain <laughs> the only issue you've got is when when Jack would turn up late or when little things came awry like that but Dean dealt with that fantastically well he dealt with Jack fantastically well because he knows he, he knew him as a person like in detail knew him as a person so knew how to deal with him knew how to get the best out of him and that's probably why he's gone on to be where he is now yeah
0: what did you make of the the Grealish captaincy at the time can you remember cast back because it was a uh... Not a strange decision, but he's not been a captain before in a it first bowled, team, was not like it? Like that.
1: Really, he hasn't been a captain before. He's new, but uh, the, the fans bought into it. Best player at the time, and he was in real form at that time as well. So, um, yeah, credit to Dean for that decision. It just did them little decisions he made. It just it he, he,
0: he helped towards the, the promotion, didn't it? Really, yeah.
2: Well, effectively, yeah. We'd well, do anything to win that final. when he, Jack. Jack oh, was yeah, like so, yeah. he wanted his club to be in the Premier League, and yeah. that's
0: it's about what you said but, earlier. as well, about the kind of mentality and that togetherness that we were kind of looking at that going. I'm on the same age as Jack oh my god like, look at him he's captain of my club Like, that's like a special thing um, you mentioned the Rotherham game was the time where you kind of thought oh my god we might do it was that the feeling in the dressing room as well because yeah, the, yeah. the thing in football is oh, one game at a time and stuff like that but when you win the seventh game in a row and the eighth game in a row you must think we're going to exactly do it here
2: right. you get yourself in a role and you get yourself like and I think as well once you win a few games and you've got to think the amount of pressure on these players to get that the club is a huge club you don't get that club promoted you're under pressure again so the, the pressure amongst the players and amongst the staff to get it promoted was huge because it's a huge club mm-hmm. so once you win a few games that kind of pressure comes off you a little bit you know like you are been right we've won a few games here you know the pressure comes off everybody's in a good a good place the fans are in a good place and you, that's when you get into that momentum it's when you lose a few it's like oh hang on a sec do you know what I mean it's kind of like you feel the atmosphere change a little bit mm-hmm. But there's no better fans than Aston Villa fans when you're winning games and they're behind you and like the atmosphere is high, and we just got on that momentum then.
0: So we're gonna skip ahead to the Albion game now. Um, we, want to, yeah, we want to chat about this Yeah, we want to talk about the Steer Holgate thing. Now I've seen somewhere before. I don't know whether it's on Twitter or an article or quotes from you in the past. The fan perception, or I think it's changed a little bit now, but the fan perception at the time was this: Jed Steer's stared out Mason Holgate. He's he's put the that, yeah. put you know put him under pressure kind of thing. I've seen somewhere since that he's—they're not actually even almost walking side by side, and he's looking towards the bench for instructions and to you, I presume. Yeah. So, first of all, is that the case? Can you debunk the myth? And yeah. What, what are the instructions? What I don't really saying?
2: want to say this, but he was looking in my direction. <laughs> okay. The issue, obviously, we go through penalties for every game, and we would—we went through in real detail about the penalty shootout. We went into like deep, deep, deep detail, and it's hard for Jed. You know, Jed was outstanding, and just to try and relieve him a bit of pressure. I'd make sure that they look at me just to make sure you know which way they're going, which direction you're going, and it was a difficult one because I don't think Mason Holgate was down to take a penalty. Mm. Obviously, I think they'd taken off Chris Brunt yeah. and a few other the penalty takers had come off the pitch, so he wasn't one that we thought was going to take it. And if I'm all, on, if I'm really honest, I guessed which direction he was going <laughs> to. <laughs> so I was like, I think he's going to go that direction because of the type of player he is. Mm. So and don't get me wrong. I can tell him which direction to go. It doesn't mean he has to go that way. The discussions we have are discussions. So we'll say, I think he's going to do this. And then we'll have other other goalkeepers in the room and we'll have a discussion about which direction. And then we'll, it's up to him on the day to decide which direction he wants to go but yeah he was definitely Jed is not the type of person to to stare at a player <laughs> to, to go to that but yeah he was he was looking in my direction to see
0: I mean every time that comes around on social media and stuff like, like a year of it it's like happy Jed steer day kind yeah, of thing it's yeah. like he <laughs> yeah. stared him down yeah but no. what a
2: what a, um, what a performer like in that run Jed was outstanding you, you wouldn't want any other person at that time to be in golf because yeah. his consistency day in, day out is Different class, like, and I just feel so sorry for him for his injuries because he's a top, top professional who, yeah. who goes above and beyond to be the best he possibly can to get the best out of himself. Yeah.
0: When when we talked about this on, on the way uh, this morning and, and yesterday in the in the planning for the questions and stuff, it was like I told you Santa Claus wasn't real when I told well, you that this yeah, is the, the, I thought, the version right? of the story. It's, dark arts. Yeah. <laughs> it's like well, I've got this question about I should have written the first like, kind of draft, and it's like, well, that's, that's near like the dark arts of Jed Steers. And I was like, I don't See, think it's true. Jed
2: is completely different to Emmy, Emmy would have done that. Yeah, yeah. He'd and in all sorts. Yeah, Emmy would have got in his face and all yeah. kinds, but Jed's just not that cu- kind of character but the uh, Emmy definitely is.
1: How's uh, Jed now anyway? He's on his way back.
2: He's on his way back, yeah, he's not yeah. far off. He's Achilles, yeah, so he's not far off now. So yeah. hopefully he'll be back training and back it's at cool. it soon, yeah. Nice. yeah. It was difficult for me as well because obviously I'd I'd left West Brom. Yeah. Yes. So a lot of my mates were over there, a lot of people that yeah. I'd I'd worked with and got really friendly with were in the opposite dugout, so it was really, really difficult but you know, he um yeah, I got a bit of stick after that game too, okay. be yeah.
0: What, what kind of pressure comes with the, the semifinals? Because obviously you've had that 10-game winning run to get into the playoffs. So you've kind of done half the job because so you've got to get through the playoffs and then get through the final. So what kind of pressure does that bring? It's obviously a local rivalry for fans as yeah, well. Yeah, big
2: pressure, big pressure. But when you're, on, when you're on that kind of run, you feel a little bit unbeatable. You've got players in there you know can win you games. And then like Tammy Abrams, people like that, you go, he's going to win us a game here. Yeah. yeah you know like you've got match winners all over the pitch so you never kind of ever feel like you're although the game's really tight you feel secure in the fact that you've got these players that are gonna win your games at that level like a Tammy Abraham in the championship you're going you know he's gonna score your goals he's gonna score your goals so you know the way we set up and the run we were on we felt like you know we're in a good place to win and once we beat West Brom we we were never gonna lose.
0: Never going to lose. Yeah, I love hearing that from the inside because that's the feeling I had as a supporter. I was like, if we get through Albion and the way that was it Derby leads in the other semi, yeah. I thought if it's Derby, we'll beat Derby. That's the kind of arrogance I yeah. had about it all, which is yeah. maybe wrong as a supporter because you can get bitten. But I like him from inside the club. He thought, no, we'll win.
1: There's a, there's a quote from Dean Smith. He said, if we play Derby in the final, we can't lose or something. The probabilities.
0: He just knew. He, you knew.
2: he just knew. We had meetings before, like obviously staff meetings just between us, like the football staff, and he was like, we're not losing this. Can't lose it. We won't lose it. Not, he was never in doubt in his mind that we we're ever going to lose that game. And the best feeling of... I think one of the best feelings I ever had in my life was the coach going through the fans on the way to the stadium yes, was the was, was unbelievable. Like, the best feeling ever. And we, we just knew. Like, we just knew.
1: Yeah, the Wembley preparations, how was it? Was it a massive deal or was you was quite comfortable?
2: We kind of kept it like it was another game. We wanted to keep it, like, you know, a bit... More low-key, a little bit more like it's not, it's not a huge thing. We've just got one more game. Just one more game, that is it. We didn't want to, you know, like create this kind of atmosphere where it was anything different to any other game. Obviously it was, and obviously there's big pressure on them. Um, but we tried to keep it as normal as we possibly could, knowing that we have match winners in the team, exactly like I just said, you know, we just keep it normal. Try and keep the psychology, you know, like it's just another game. It's just another, just go and do another, just go and play another game and... Um, in typical Aston Villa style we, we we conceded late on yeah. <laughs> like, it why nervous. every time does this <laughs> have to happen why can't we just cruise at 2-0 and just everything's nice and everything's happy and then and then we concede so it's like we have to make it difficult for ourselves right. but yeah but like we knew like and, and that's no disrespect to Derby we just because they were a good team with some really good players it wasn't that it was the fact that we, we, we were just on a roll we had some we had some really strong characters like people like Melee and people like that who were strong around the group who you could depend on and um, to be strong around the group um, and we just kind of, we just knew.
1: Yeah, strong around the group, but about JT as well, his involvement at that time. Yeah, massive. fantastic.
2: His experience and knowledge was was brilliant. And the way we developed the football club around about that time was we'd have individual unit work. So we'd have, obviously me with the goalies, JT would take the centre-halves, um, the gaffer might take the midfield players, Rich Kelly take the strikers. And to have JT's knowledge of you know the work that he did with those, with those back players, and then obviously the work he did with the rest of the team was was fantastic. And leading into big games, he's a he's a big game guy, and he's yeah, like yeah. he's used to it. He's, he's he's confident around it. To have his knowledge and experience was was fantastic. And kind of another guy that that he's um don't, people don't really understand his character, like, and I know across the country, like people don't understand what he's like really as a person, mm. but another genuinely unbelievable guy. Like, one of the best.
0: I know it was a different manager, different coaching staff, different players as well in some aspects, but was there any mention of losing the playoff final the year before in the build-up? So like JT no. would have played in that. Yeah, Greenwich
2: never mentioned. Etc. Never brought up, never mentioned. It was never – because I wasn't involved in that, but nothing ever came up. Like, I didn't know anything about it really. I'd, obviously, I'd, I'd seen it, but it was never brought up to the fact, like, oh, we can't lose again. We can't be oh, doing we this. Felt. We can't be doing that. Yeah, never mentioned, never brought up. Never, it was never in anybody's minds. on
0: um, Steer as well. Obviously, like the the semi-finals, this big effort penalty shootout, local rivalry, big kind of effort to get there. Yeah. How do you recover that in in the build up to the final? Or do you have to kind of kind of calm him down? Do you have to like, do loads of research about Derby or is it just because yeah, you no, we Yeah, no, know...
2: we do loads of research anyway. Our detail, we do... Um... So we would have done a debrief of the game, yeah, yeah. what he's done wrong, how we, do, how we improve from that leading into the next day. And then we have a threats meeting. So we have a threats meeting on exactly what Derby would have done, all their threats, how they score, You know how they create.
0: Is that just goalkeepers or is that the whole squad?
2: That's the goalkeepers. They'll have their own individual stuff like JT would have taken the centre-half. Like... Um... So we'll go through all the details of, of Derby in, the, in that in that threats meeting, and we'd have worked on it all the way leading into the final. So no stone would have been unturned. It would have been the detail of you know how we're we gonna how we're we gonna stop them, how we're we gonna deal with what they create and what their main threats are. So we made sure, you know. And again, it's not it's not like it's a um, it's me telling them what to do. It's more of a discussion. Yeah. I think this, this is what they're going to do. What are your thoughts? And that's the best, how you, how you get the best out of people.
0: That seven or eight minute stoppage time was probably the longest period right, of my yeah. life at the end of that game, but the celebrations after Courtney are worth off it. as well.
2: Actually.
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. right,
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Has, <laughs> You can ask about celebrations in a sec. How do you manage that, obviously drawing the game? What Do you feel that kind of nervousness as well?
2: Yeah. Um, you. Uh, at the time you look at Dean and Dean was just like, "Yeah, ice, cold, ice cold. Yeah, like ice cold. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, like I'm looking around the stadium and all our fans are going, if we mess this up now, oh my God. And it was like, it took forever, yeah. like ever. And I'm quite emotional on the bench anyway. I'm like, a, really emotional. Like, I, I, I properly like, I feel it. Yeah, I feel it. But luckily, you got people like Dean that are, 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 are calm and cool, and and I did a lot. I did all the set pieces at the time, so I'm up and down, up and down, trying to sort all the set pieces out. And yeah. um, but you were glad it was over at the end. It was such a what a relief! What a relief! You know, as a. As a coach and as a player, all you want to do is get to the Premier League. That's all you want to do. That's your life goal. You want to get to the Premier League. You want to stay in the Premier League, and and to and to do that in the playoffs is the most unbelievable feeling. I think you could ever have.
1: Yeah, take us to the night then. Hilton, everyone's on the karaoke. Was yeah, great D-night, night,
2: balcony. unbelievable night. Yeah, got got into the room and well straight back. Well, Straight to dressing room, yeah. I think I must have smashed about three or four bottles down my neck in the space of about two minutes. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, so we had a few drinks in the changing room. Um, I think the Prince came in afterwards and said a few words to the lads. Um, the owners came in, the lads tried to get some watches out of them. Um, and then we went to the Hilton and then had a great night, you know, we had a band on. and. Do you remember it? Mm, bits of it. It was a free bar, so I um, remember if, uh, to a certain amount. Um yeah, well, great night. It was a great night. It took me about two weeks to get over it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, see, what was your night like for that? I was I was I was in the uh, you
0: were in the lane. uh
1: that was my last 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 game as a fan before I, before I took the roll on. So uh yeah, I went with my brother. Can't remember getting home to be fair, it was just euphoria, I seen the ticker tape, the trophy. Doesn't happen. So um great scenes and memorable night for everyone, isn't
0: it? Yeah we'll move forward to the, the summer of that year then we signed Tom Heaton 8 million pound release clause I've got here in front of me I don't know if that's true or not uh, was that a recommendation from you or is it kind of scouting yeah. departments How yeah definitely
2: um, like we needed a goalkeeper that was consistent and um, experienced at that level and Tom epitomises that he is that he's, he's one of the best people person personable people I've ever met yeah. you know, people love him he's that kind of that kind of person but not only that he's a fantastic goalkeeper who's consistent who's been consistent over the years and you knew that he was going to go into the Premier League and be and be good and be and and uh, there wouldn't be any issues just just slot in nicely so he for me was was possibly the first signing where I think that we need him we need him to be consistent we need consistency in our first year so
1: you speak to him, did you, direct or?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spoke to him a lot. Um, and that's a big thing, you know, when you want to sign a goalkeeper, they've got to trust you as a person and you've got to have a relationship. And that's why you always gain. there has to be relationships. Between. Did he
1: always catch your eye at all or did you know him previously?
2: I just knew that he'd be consistent in the Premier League because that's what he's done for, for many years. Yeah. And not only that, he's consistent as a person. And that's what Dean buys into people, you know. He's, he's a top, top person yeah. who's still driven at whatever age he is now. <laughs> so we knew he'd come in and, and, and be good for us.
0: Just to kind of a transfer a rumour, I guess. One, a friend of mine went pretty big on Twitter at the time who will be watching this probably, saying that Jack Butland was close or it was a done deal or, or whatever. Can you talk a little bit about what yeah, happened Yeah, we spoke there?
2: to Jack. Um, Jack was a different, different one at the time because he was struggling a little bit in his performances at Stoke. So I think... I I look at goalies and go, I can make him better, you know, I can make him, I can make him be top, top end, that's just how I feel when I see a a goalkeeper, even if he's struggling at another club, I can go, you know, like he's, I can make him, he's quick, he's athletic, he's agile, he's got a good shape, he's played for England, you know, like I can get him back to where he, where he can, where he should be, Um, but that's difficult, selling that to a football club, you know, that have got to shell out 20, 30 million for a goalie that's not playing well. but it's a no-brainer with, with Tom Heaton because of his price at the time was next to nothing for a goalkeeper of that experience and knowledge. And for me, he's, he had to be the number one because of what he bought.
0: Just very quickly, I know you've got questions about other goalkeepers, just on like, transfers and stuff. Are the figures ever right? Because fans, you hear a lot of stuff about prices of players and transfer fees and wages. And you know, every so often, you'll hear a manager say, "Well, that's kind of nowhere near." Yeah, look think- at eight million. There is that. Is that correct?
2: I honestly don't know.
1: That would be a Christian stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: you honestly never know because it's it is done in the background, so you don't know.
1: Was it just Tom and Tom and Jack recommendations? It was
2: getting. No, we would have gone through a few, quite a few. I mean, as it works out, you know, when when you're trying to when you're trying to bring a goalkeeper into a football club that you think is going to make you better, you need to do all your homework. You need to get in with the, with all the scouts. You need to get in with the sporting director. You need to have lots of conversations. You need to bring with you. Um, Um, all the homework that you've got, you know, like PowerPoint presentations, making sure that they understand why you want this call. You're not talking about a few thousand pounds. You're talking about millions, millions of pounds. So you've got to sell them and go, why do you want this goalkeeper? Because because of this, 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 this. This is what he brings. This is what he's got. You know, this is what he's going to do for us. And then they, they can make a decision from there. But you've got to be able to sell that to them in yeah. order. They've got to know what they're buying.
0: So we just had a quick break to change the cameras and have a, have a toilet break and stuff. And we are changing all the wires around. And that light almost went over. And the goalkeeper, goalkeeper in the room caught it with a great save. <laughs> Thank you for that.
1: The reactions on that. I'm yeah, like...
0: brilliant. Uh, one goalkeeper. wanted to talk about Pepe Reina? Yeah, go on, Gosh.
1: Yeah, Pepe Reina came in in the January after Tom's injury. How did that come about, and what was he like as a guy?
2: Um, I think Suso's connections was the big thing. Um, yeah. Suso obviously had a lot of connections in Spain, and to have a goalkeeper of his experience and knowledge coming to the football club was was amazing and great for me. You know, I learned so much from him. Um, in terms of how he plays and how he wanted to play from the back and how he built from the back was was, was different class. And like I said, I learned so much. Even in terms of small-sided games, he'd, instead of throwing it, he'd drop it and he'd just drive forward with the ball. And we created that... With our young goalkeepers, we made our young goalkeepers do that because that's the wow. game, that's how it's played and that's how we want the game to be played. We want them to be comfortable. We want them to see pictures. We want them to uh, understand when to play, when not to play, where to, where to play. And he he helped a lot of the, 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 the philosophy, well, a lot of my philosophy and how I wanted them to build from the back. He really helped that. So really good, really good. In terms of his knowledge and his stories and how he was as a person, fantastic.
1: Has Emi got a bit of that... Gaming him now, playing that from the back a little bit from Pepe. Would you say?
2: Um, I wouldn't say we got that from Pepe. I think Emmy's, um, yeah, Emmy's so calm. Sort of wants to play, wants the ball, wants to. Wants to be in possession a lot, uh, yeah. he's very comfortable in possession, right and left foot, so he's, um, he, I think he's always been, he's always been that, from, from playing futsal as a, as, a, as a kid over in Argentina, yeah. um, I think that was, was bred into him from a, from a young age. Yeah,
1: and Pepe is a character in the dressing
2: room. Real character, one? real character, one yeah. of the best, one of the best I've ever yeah. met, what a guy. And his stories, like, say, how can you not learn from a guy with so much experience and knowledge and has won so much, like a, like a born winner? He can't help. And you know, like, a, he probably got bored of me picking his brains and asking him questions. And, like, you, some of the goalies he's worked with over the years and some of the people, some of the teams are just like, wow, amazing.
0: What were you thinking when he went walkabouts against Leicester?
2: <laughs> Especially at the time as well. We weren't playing very well at the time. And I'm like, oh, this is the last thing we need. But, um, not that's just that's not not his fault. I mean, in terms of the way we were playing, we were all over the place at times. So um, he was just unlucky to be in a team where we, we were we weren't playing well at that, at that time. So, um, but he ended up being a big part of us staying 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 in the league. So
0: let's talk about that that COVID break. Then obviously a, a strange time for all of us personally and everyone affected by by that time. As a football coach, how did you handle that? Because obviously we look at it and go, that was an important time for Villa. That kind of kept us in the league effectively. What did you do during that time?
2: It was a huge, huge time for us. We needed it. Like I've just spoken about, we needed the break. We needed a reset. We needed to do something different. And... We, we made sure we made the most of every single day, you know, in terms of meetings, individual meetings, team meetings, group meetings, staff meetings. We made sure that we maximised our time and it had a massive effect on when we come back. I think obviously no fans kind of helped a little bit. The pressure was off, you know, we just knew what we needed to do. We needed to stay in the league, we needed to win games. I think the not having the pressure of the fans at that time, I think helped the group, you know, like, it was we just managed to, to, to win enough games to be able to stay in the football league in the, the premier League so that's exactly what we did um and you know the actual the covid break was was huge and you know how we were going to set up and how we were going to um go into those last games
0: something that is often talked about on social media from fans of other clubs of it wasn't the uh, project we start at the of Villa it was the ghost goal <laughs> yeah. against Sheffield United <laughs> yeah yeah uh, just talk us through your thoughts there. What again? What are you thinking on the touchline when when that? Kind oh, of uh, yeah, it's a you? strange
2: one, really. It's a strange one, and it Funny was. Enough. Yeah, <laughs> it was. And do you know, like things, it kind of evens itself out a little bit. You know, you, before VAR was it was a lot of you know goals that you, you scored that were goals. You know, like things that were going in against you, thinking that stuff's offside or it was a foul or you know, like so you go through games feeling unjust or you feel like you know oh we got away with one there and i think that was just one of them because so all teams back in the day would get a goal where it was mars offside or you know like it was a foul in the build-up or and it just swings and roundabouts it just evens itself out and i think that was just one of them you know like that was just the way it was
1: i was, I was in the stadium at the time with fans locked out obviously and you work quite close with jt up above with the ear, earpiece. in how did that dynamic work with, with richard as well and dean what yeah, was your role it, there?
2: yeah it's easier to and once Steve come in, I, I based myself up in the stands because you can see so much more. Yeah. You know, you can you can especially when you're dealing with.
0: So you walk past my seat sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it,
2: no. <laughs> yeah. It's like you can, like, especially when it comes to goalkeeper. I can see his position. I can see exactly what he's doing in terms of how he's building, and then I can report back to him. I've got two computers in front of me. I can clip things. I can talk to the analysts, and we can sort things from there. They can tell them down on the pitch what's going on. So, I think it's much easier in the stand to get a much better view you're away what I find as well and I think I've spoke about it before I'm emotional I'm very emotional so on the side of the pitch I'm like I'm too emotional but when I'm In the stand, I'm calmer, I can see things better, and I can judge things a lot better. So, when I'm going in at half time and Emmy's going, What do you think? I can tell him in a calm and exact manner rather than me being emotional, going, Well, you can do this, go to that, go to that. It's like, No, I'm calm. I've seen the game, I've got your clips. Have a little look at this, have a little look at that. What do you think? Rather than it being all from emotion. Do you think that makes you a better coach? I think so, yeah, I think it does. I just think it's, I think, and I think that's what Dean was so good at. You know, he took the emotion away. He was very calm on the side of the pitch. He wasn't emotional, everything he took in his stride. And I think over the years I've learned from that, you know, like I used to be up and down all the time. I'd be like, especially doing set pieces, you end up being up and down quite a bit. Um, but I've learned a lot from Dean in terms of, you know, as I've got older and I've got more experience on, I am much calmer. Um, because you have to be, because you have to think on your feet, because the Premier League's so good that you can't... There's no time to be emotional. You have to think quick and you have to think, you know, what the opposition are doing, how they're doing it, and you have to then work against that.
1: Yeah, it's quite emotional staying up. I think you inform the lads on the pitch the Bournemouth game's finished we're yeah. staying up how yeah, was that
2: yeah emotional yeah amazing I had the earpiece so I was up to the oh. analyst who was telling me you know like it's not finished yet the game's not finished it's not finished I'm going <laughs> hang on guys hang on it's not finished and then just somebody jumped in before the game had even finished so I was like oh okay let's go with it yeah let's go <laughs> and, and obviously because job didn't look
0: stupid <laughs> I know exactly
2: so we just went with it and obviously um, we stayed up but just the feeling of that was just like unbelievable the yeah. pressure was just like oh god we've done it we've similar up. to the
1: promotion I think.
2: yeah similar you know some even better probably because the situation we're in and how we galvanised the group and how we stayed up from there, you know, like that was the plan. You know, you get up, you stay up and you move forward. Mm. And that's, I think, what happened over the space of three years. Mm. Um, and the club has obviously just gone, just kept moving forward from there.
0: In that summer then, 2020, now we're in, Emi Martinez joins for, again, I've got 16 million fee here, whether that's right, who knows. <laughs> we spoke on the podcast between us about, almost like do we even need a keeper like Tom Heaton's played in the Premier League before like he's done all right does he stay that kind of thing back from injury but when a player of Emmy's calibre becomes available for that price as well surely you have to act and that's why you did
2: yeah I think um, it was a difficult one with Emmy, and he I really pushed for him obviously with the scouting department there was quite a few goalkeepers that came up and um, You're allowed to um, name um, names,
0: huh? You're allowed to name names.
2: Not really. <laughs> Not really. There was quite a few games. There were quite a few goalkeepers that came up, and I really had to push for him because he he hadn't played many games. You know, he was like 28, I think, at the time, and hadn't really played. Um, so I really had to push in terms of how he what how he is as a goalkeeper, and how he is as a person. If you if you look at the clips, of him after winning the FA Cup, he's in tears. He's driven his mentality and, and, and his culture, obviously, being South American. They're emotional. They're driven. They want to be the best. They'll do anything to win. That Now, that's his psychological side. When we talk about him technically and tactically, technically, he's he suits me down to ground because he's got a South American athletic style. But he's also English in terms of his shape. No, like he holds a really good shape. He holds his shape for a long amount of time, which means he can transfer and he can push. He's got limited triggers, so it doesn't cost him. Normally, when you see foreign goalkeepers, they've got big triggers. They're very, like, triggery around the goal. But he's consistent because he holds his shape for a long amount of times, and he can transfer and push, and he's athletic. And I just saw something in him where I'm like, "This, this guy could be... Top top end, and I just wanted to get hold of him. So I was ringing him, like texting him. I had meetings with his agents. It went on for quite a while. He, he, obviously, other clubs were coming in and pushing him, but we gained a relationship really early. We gained that relationship where he trusted me. I told him where I thought he could be and what he could achieve, and he bought into it straight away. Bought into it, and he's just got better and better and better. And I think the big thing about him is he's he's getting more experienced. No, like playing the games now. He's like really like um, a twenty-three-year-old, thirty-year-old. He's not played the games, yeah. So yeah. you can imagine his emotions are like are like that because it's his first real taste of being a number one consistently. Um, so it was just guiding him and making him consistent, not not just technically and tactically, but the big thing is emotionally.
0: Are some of those conversations. You'll be at the World Cup in two years' time.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. We had it on his locker. So we have everything. His targets are always on his locker. These are your targets. This is what you're going to do. And he smashed them in his first year, completely smashed them all. Apart from we wanted to keep the most clean sheets. I mean, I think we drew, we, we equalled it 15. and we wanted to beat it. So we we were a bit, we were we'll a bit disappointed. A <laughs> we were a bit disappointed, but his first year was fantastic. But the second year is always harder than the first year because you, you, then you've got to repeat that and you've got to go again and you've got to do that in an, in an emotionally calm way. And I think. Um, that's I think he's developed as a person a lot more now he's a lot more um, calm in his in his way in his, and he, and you'll see him when I say calm he's not as frustrated we worked a lot especially this year on him not being frustrated him dealing with himself but not just dealing with himself but being a personality on the pitch working on his personality coming out I think what was happening was he'd get so frustrated if he can see the goal he'd go in so you'd just see maybe martinez like like disappointed not shoulders back head up actually showing people that he cares rather than just showing people that's not showing people you care feeling sorry you don't you don't show people you care through feeling sorry for yourself you show people you care through driving other people around you you know being a leader being a captain in terms of how you drive other people on the pitch how you affect people show the fans you know like you, you, you care through uh, wanting to win and showing them you want to win and I think he's much better at that now he's, his personality's coming across much more now and that's why he's a leader
1: Yeah he spoke to the reporters at Brighton he said I love this club so much he seems so grateful that we made him number one and Within six months, he was in the Argentina team. That's but,
2: the big thing. The key yeah. for him was because he's yeah. so passionate about his country that he wants to. He wants to represent his country. He wants to be the number one. He wants to. Obviously, that they are cultural wise, they are massive in terms of playing for their country. It's the be all and end all. No matter what, he has to play for his country, and that's that's a big thing. And. To push him and for him to push himself to be that number one was huge to get him into the team and not just get in the team and be consistent within that team. Um, the big push was for the Copa America to make sure he was good to go for the Copa America and he was huge in that, so it was a big thing for him to settle him into the team and um, he's just flourished ever since.
1: What's it like as a guy to work with you day in day out?
2: He's very he's, he's easy for me, <laughs> yeah. Not so easy for everybody else around him because he's a character. Too
1: much,
2: a He's a character, so you got to know you got to know him. And Robin's brilliant with him, by the yeah. way. Robin's fantastic because it's not easy to deal with him as a character. He's the number one, but he's the times he'd be bouncing off the ceiling. At times it'd be low. You have to pick him up, but you have to know him as a character. And Robin's like different class with him, but he's 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 easy to deal with because he's so driven sometimes he's too driven to the point where he's like, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. I've got to lose weight. How do I save that? I need to save that. Why am I not saving that? I need to lose weight. I'm too heavy. I'm too, and then he's like calm. And then you talk with him and you rationalize with him. What do you say, yeah. what do you calm
0: somebody all that down?
2: It's easy. Cause you just hit him with detail, hit him with detail, right? This is what we do. It's calm. This is what we do. Yeah. This is what we we'll do next. We're going to work on that. And once he knows there's a, there's an end to it. The he's going to improve from it, it's going to get better. He's fantastic. He just does it. He's like, yeah, okay, we'll do that, and then it's, then we're done, and then he moves forward again, and it's the next thing, yeah. and then it's like,
1: I don't want to build him up too much now, but how
2: good is he? On he's, he's one of the world's best. He'll be, he'll, he'll be right up there with the world's best because of everything he brings. You know, like, and again, we're talking about somebody that's not played many games in the Premier League. Is not that experienced. He's not even that experienced internationally. So he's got all these experiences that he's having to deal with, and he'll have highs and he'll have lows. But he's such a like such an athlete. He's so driven. He wants everything to be right. He wants everything to be perfect. He wants everybody in the same direction. Um, I think the new manager will be really good for him. I think that the, the the staff will be excellent for him because he wants to get hold of the ball. He wants to build from the back. He wants to be part of that development. And he wants to be part of a football club that's moving forward because he is going to be one of the world's best. So that football club has to move forward as he moves forward. So yeah. it's he's, he's just he's just an excellent character to work with. Brilliant. Big heart. Got big heart, Massive heart. Yeah. Uh, he's emotional. He's very, very emotional. He won't hold anything back. He'll tell you exactly how it is. And that's another thing. It's like, it's knowing him as a person. It's knowing, like when he's, his dad had a heart attack, it's like I knew exactly how he'd be feeling. So I went to his house. Uh, like, you know, you've got to get, back to Argentina go and see him go and visit him don't worry about us because you're going to get nothing from him go and see your dad go and sort your dad out and luckily his dad was fine after that and I just know how emotional he is you got to know the person you know how to deal with him and he's he's, he's just flourished
0: yeah. Just uh, another quick one on him before we have another quick break I'd put it down here on my notes about 15 clean sheets matching the record with Friedel. It, is that something goalkeepers even look at? Do they drive on like a, a striker might set a goal record? Would a goalkeeper do that? And then you said he's got it on his locker that he wants to do those kind of things. How important is that for for a goalkeeper to kind of set themselves, to, or for Martinez specifically to set targets like that? Some
2: like them, some don't. Yeah. Um, sure, as well. I guess. Yeah. It, yeah. Some do, some don't. Some just want to go game to game. Um, but he's very much like. Um,
0: it's <laughs> the golf club practice watching the World Cup now. World Cup's for us, in the uh, uh,
2: <laughs> in the room next door. Yeah.
0: Um Sorry no
2: <laughs> Yeah, but he's very um he's driven in terms of targets, he wants his targets. And he'll every day he'll open his locker and go, right, I've got to achieve that. I need to achieve that, that's where I need to be. And and he does, he smashes it. He gets what he smashes all his targets, then we have to increase them, increase them, increase them. Different this year, World Cup, so it's like a sixteen game mini season for us. So all our targets were in those sixteen games, building up to the World Cup, what we were going to achieve in terms of clean sheets, penalty saves, shot stopping, percentage, cross taking percentage, all those things that we needed to get in to make sure he was right at the top heading into the World Cup.
0: So we'll skip ahead to the following season. It's a full season behind closed doors at this point, which is obviously kind of difficult to deal with in some aspects, but no pressure for the fans as well, I guess. Started unbelievably. I think it was four wins from four. Yeah, Barkley if I met, if well, Grealish. Barkley as well, Grealish absolutely flying. But the one I wanted to ask about was the obvious one, I assume, Liverpool 7-2. Yeah. How does that happen?
2: Yeah. Um, I think of a mixture of things. I think we understood, well, the players understood the game plan really well. I think they were awful on the night. I think they were horrific. I think they missed the goalie. Allison didn't play that game. I think they're just all over the place. I think we just kept playing, getting in behind them every single time. They were so high, the line was so high, and I think we scored so many of our goals just getting in behind them. And they didn't change that. And it was so like um, non-Liverpool. Like it was unbelievable. Like we just kept getting in behind them, scoring goals. But we just got a momentum on the night. I think just got a momentum, and I think obviously fans have a big I don't know they play a massive part I think, I think it's underestimated how much of a big part fans play in, in football and, and when you haven't got the fans I think results you get more results like that kind of it's easier for them to just yeah. pack in a little bit or easier for them to just fold a little bit I think that's what they did I think they just folded a little bit you can't do that with fans in, in, the, in, in the in the grounds you can't no. so it's just like I think they I just think they went and it's not like a a training
1: that. game kind of thing I exactly about.
2: right exactly exactly what happened yeah. you wouldn't get that now Just well, not with fans you know like you just wouldn't get it
1: yeah just on that note as well one of, one of Jack's best games as well wasn't it I mean Jack that season just incredible wasn't
2: he? yeah incredible Unbelievable. And what a player like it like what a water player what a talent and um i think it's quite difficult for him at, at man city although he is playing a little bit better now yeah. i think it's been difficult for him because he he just wants to play off the cuff he's a ball carrier he'll carry the ball up the pitch for you he'll create things from doing that not being able to do that as much at man city um I think at times he slows the game down a little bit maybe because what he did with us maybe a few too many touches but just did so well for us at getting the ball up the pitch like give the ball to Jack and he's going to get you high up the pitch and that's that's what you need it's different at Man City isn't it they've got all these top top players who who play so quickly and so effectively that um, you know he probably stifled that at, at times when he first went in there
1: yeah 100% just natural born talent
2: natural talent like a maverick, like yeah. unbelievable. Right foot, left foot, strong. Like buys your fouls all over the pitch. It was brilliant for me as a set piece coach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. unbelievable, but just an unbelievable talent. And not just that, and he is a maverick, but he works. He works hard at it. You know, yeah. you got this deception of him, a perception of him um, as being this guy that you know he's just just a maverick and just turns up and just plays but he's not his work ethic's fantastic you know he's driven to win every single day and he's there and he works hard in the training ground and he would be the last day and he used to sleep in in the pods at the training ground and then come back in the afternoon and do weights with ollie and do all his strengthening stuff with ollie and um would be and you can see he's just better for it now he's an athlete a proper strong athlete and and like the when we talk about you know Jack coming back and working with Ollie you've got all these people at the football club right behind the scenes who don't get any mentions right who are fantastic people like Mm. The the support staff at the football club are, are fantastic. There's some unbelievable people there. Like who Neil, would you say like you've got like you've got obviously you've got your physios, you've got all like your physios, you've got your, your strength and conditioning, your sports science, Jeremy Oliver, who's yeah. the head of performance. You've got the doctor who's who's a villa guy. Yeah. You know, like he's the, the people behind the scenes are brilliant. I've got smudger and the masters, uh, Swolsey and with Masser. You know, like they're all like proper driven workaholics that are the, the hub of the football club. Yeah. Never get mentioned. I think it's important to highlight the fact that these proper villa driven people are like Grafton, yeah. like Ollie Stevenson, the sport of science, Paddy who, do, who does sport of science with him just brilliant people mm-hmm. just like workaholics who work hard to make sure the players are performing and driving yeah. and and moving forward and they'd never get mentioned nobody no. ever is of them no. so it's like you know like they, they need to get mentioned because they're they're driven proper proper people
0: mm. obviously speak a lot about mental health and, and things these days and, and rightly so is there anything like that inside the club like to help the players mentally with the pressure and expectations yeah or? there are
2: there's, there's well-being um, people around yeah, the football club want- Martin, did Martin came in, yes, yeah. uh, psychologist. He, he left with Steve, but yeah, yeah the, the psychologists are around, and all the players have got their own psychologists. I think they, I think they feel more comfortable um, with their own. Um, but they, they, they all, they're, they all need to speak to people because the pressure is so high, yeah. and they're all um, under pressure to perform, they're all under pressure to win. Um, so you've got to find ways of, of dealing with that. But you find that the best players deal with it really well. They deal with it really, really well, um, and they just go into games like like it's like it's nothing, like and perform. <laughs> it's like incredible. They're, they're incredible people.
0: We'll talk about Jack leaving in a sec. Obviously, lost him for a, a portion of that season through injury as well from he's the, the, the fact yeah missed him terribly from the fan perspective it was almost kind of like Dean Smith would be asked about it he would be like well he kind of might be back in a few weeks or whatever and then it kind of never would did you kind of know how severe the injury was at the no, time no it's
2: a difficult one with Jack because I think it was like wasn't it like a bone bruising injury yeah and he's he seen can't, g- yeah you can't gauge like there's no like end time to it i think it's just one of them where you have to just go and try it and then see how it is i think after a while i think it was more of a try and see kind of thing i don't think there ever was a kind of well he's definitely going to be back at that time yeah. i think it's different with bone and i think it i think it's you can never really put a, an exact time on it mm-hmm. from what i can remember and he struggled with it for a while and he was yeah. playing through pain um jack would as well yeah he would that's the type of person he is
0: so you don't have all these conspiracy theorists, wouldn't you, going, oh, well, the club know he's out for three months or whatever, but they're just going to keep saying week by week to kind of strain or something? bone bruising on. is always a difficult one.
2: On to April
1: then. Emmy's Argentina call-up. His first, first cap in April,
2: I think it was. I
1: think so. It's chilly. Um How was he for that buzzing over the moon?
2: Oh, made, like made up. Yeah, like made up. And ready Ready emotionally, ready technically, tactically, he was just just ready to go, and I, I knew he'd go into into it flying. He's obviously going with a an unbelievable international team that's you, like playing behind that group of players. I went to see them train in Miami a few uh, probably a couple of months ago now. Emmy yeah. went out and I, I went out to see him and how they work and how they are as a group, and such a learning experience for me amazing group like the togetherness of the group was huge the culture they'd created I was re- shocked by the result uh, the other day really shocked because the togetherness of that group is ma- like massive mm. massive
0: could he have you saved either of those?
2: Um, I think it'd be I think it'd be disappointed because I know how he is I know how disappointed he gets when he concedes he'll always think he can do better and there are things he can do better because he can do better with every goal that goes in there's always something you can change there's always something you can implement for it to so it doesn't happen again and to work on so, it, so you can maximise your your chances of saving it so I think he will be knowing him he will be disappointed because he's always disappointed when he concedes
0: yeah. Wasn't there some quotes about him not, not sleeping if he doesn't keep a clean sheet or something yeah that's
2: him yeah he, uh, yeah he did say he doesn't sleep very well after games anyway to be honest because he's uh, very emotional so his emotions will be high yeah he's, he's just that kind of character it takes him a, a few days to come down yeah.
0: can you just give us a bit of an end of season summary for that year then I think it's our highest place finished since 2011 Eleventh, yeah. uh, 11th 11th not brilliant but we started so well Jack gets injured and we tail off a yeah, little bit yeah difficult about Jack
2: I think it always was difficult without Jack when Jack was injured we, we struggled um but I think that season was all about growth as a football club you know we, we grew we got more players in the football club that were going to make us better better players and I think it has to be a gradual thing it can't be where we're going to go from just surviving to Europe there's got to be that gradual step and the owners are building the football club bit by bit but it's just going to get Bigger and better and stronger, and it's going to continue to grow. That, cl- that club will always move forward because of the, the owners are so passionate about the progression of the place. They've got the, the infrastructure now is there to not only develop the football club but develop underneath it as well. We've got young players coming through that can support it. So the infrastructure is there and it's just going to keep moving forward. It's just going to keep developing because it cannot help but do that.
1: The summer of 2021, um, obviously JT decided to leave, O'Kelly left week before the Watford game I think, um, yeah, but a bit of uncertainty there and I've got off to a bad start as well, so how was that summer, obviously Jack leaving as well?
2: Yeah, difficult again because you're wanting to move forward, aren't you, Want the club to progress and um, obviously lost with O'Kelly and and lost JT, a big big part of the staff, Um but then I think we brought in Craig Shakespeare at the time, didn't we? Shaky came in, who's got so experienced, so knowledgeable, a proper good guy. So that was kind of seamless in terms of you bringing in a person that's, you know, a good person who fits into the staff really well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we were just keen to, to, to push forward to keep moving the place forward and to keep driving forward um, it's not always easy it doesn't always it's not it's not always just going to move steadily upwards there's going to be dips there's going to be highs there's going to be lows and it's um, nothing in the Premier League is going to be easy it's always going to be difficult
1: and losing Jack as well inevitable or
2: yeah I think so I think it was always there was always rumours there was always rumblings of it and I think when you're a player of Jack's ability there's always going to be teams that are going to want to One of the top teams in the world are going to buy you. So when that comes along, I think I think it was a a big decision for him, a hard decision for him because he's Aston Villa born and bred. That runs through his veins. So it's it's going to be that that kind of decision is going to be difficult and people say oh it's money this it's money that it's it's not money once you get to the top of the Premier League you never have to work again it's not it's not a money decision it's more of a a career decision it's not so much not so much the money Your Champions League the, the bigger things that, that Man City bring playing with the top players in the world would have been too much for him to turn down.
1: And that Premier League winning now as well.
0: Yeah this is what I said earlier about kind of being nosy nosy questions so feel free to <laughs> slap me in the face or whatever. not a problem i put, like, the Greeley saga here in my notes, which probably isn't truly fair. How much do you know at the time? Obviously, Perslow comes out when it's announced that he's got this release clause, which wasn't public knowledge, I don't think, although it was rumoured that he's got something in there. So how much do you know? Do you know, oh, there's a medical book soon, or do you find out? Kind of a couple of days before, uh, you might be going next week, or
2: it's difficult, really. I think as a coach, you kind of just get on with it. You don't really delve into it and just go right. We're just going to we're working like Jack's here until he's not there. I think you would be all end all is to win football games, and that's that's all you all you're concerned about. Um, so you don't really worry too much about that until it happens, um, because you don't know basically because a lot of it's kept from you and. It's no really point in delving into it, you know, what will be, will be. If he goes, he goes. Then we have to move forward from that. And it's just trying to take a positive stance from whatever happens. Um, obviously, he moved on for a, a massive amount of money, which then secured the football club for, for years to come, you know, like... You know, £100 hundred million pound is a lot, a lot of money to sell a player that's come through the academy for a hundred million pound is is huge.
1: And the owner spent spent big again. They spent Bailey, Buendia Danny Ings that summer. So Danny Ings out of nowhere. Did
0: you yeah. know about that? No, I didn't know until he turned up. No, until he turned up. No, out, yeah. no didn't. Does that he walks in through and It's like oh, there's Danny. Just Ings. turns up. Yeah, <laughs> that's bizarre. and Dean
2: probably did that on purpose just to shock everybody. It's like he just turns up like oh, yeah, it's Danny Hinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah what a signing! What, what a guy.
0: What do you think about like, transfers and stuff again? Not being involved in the process that you're signing the checks and stuff, but you make recommendations do you kind of look at transfer business as fans wouldn't go oh, I wouldn't have signed him or yeah I kind of.
2: I think it's one of them and it, I think a lot, of the, a lot of the discussion is between I think it was Johan at the time Johan and Dean would have had big discussions obviously with the staff from the um, scouting department there'd have been so much detail going into those signings like it's not just on a whim it's like the detail of the stats and everything that goes behind it is massive like it's huge Um, no stone unturned everything would go into it Um, so a lot of that detail will go on without you knowing it you know like the, the players they're talking about and then obviously Dean might come into the building and say well come into the office and say what do you think about what do you think about him and get our point of view and there would be quite a few, look at these players for me, what do you think, you know, like we'd be given players to look at and then feedback to him and then obviously he would then go back and then talk to the scouting department, talk to Johan and, and move forward from there but to sign a player now, there's so much detail that goes behind the scenes that it's massive and the, the, that department, that scouting department, the, the statistical department, um, has grown beyond That's huge and it has to be because you're spending millions and millions and millions of yeah. pounds you've and it's to getting it more yeah. Yeah. so that has to be right they have to you know have to, you have to make sure that every last little bit and it doesn't always work and it won't always work but if you've done everything you possibly can to ensure that you know you're doing it for the right reasons then mm-hmm. then you're okay and you can sleep
0: at night yeah. Was there any kind of one specific player in mind you can think of as one that got away like a player you recommended has now gone somewhere else and you think oh I wish to had come to Villa
2: um, not really no I, mean, I got like I got Emmy was a big one for me at Villa he was the one that I really pushed for so I was lucky in terms of they, the trust that they put in me that they you know Johan put a lot of trust in the fact that I wanted this goalie if you took, and, and Johan works a lot on stats Emmy wasn't statistically brilliant at the time, he hadn't played that many games. Whereas other goalkeepers across Europe were statistically very good in terms of how they kept sh- clean sheets and what they'd done. But I just saw something in him where I thought, you know, he's he's the one for us. He's the one, you know, where I, I can see him really developing and really, you know, pushing forward. What push was out. that
1: something you seen? Like I tradition. say, just
2: his shape, yeah. his shape and speed, agility, his power, his calm possession, and I, I knew there was room for growth. Not only that, but his desire to improve was huge. So you know, obviously got someone that still you know can improve, but also is driven to improve. So ticks all the boxes for me. You know, I'm a I'm a coach that won't just tick a box and go home I don't allow the goalies to come in and disappear I have to come in every day in, a, in a, an environment where they're they're learning and they're wanting to learn and they're wanting to get better a competitive learning environment is is what you need to create in order for everybody around to, to keep improving like it's difficult you've got Robin Olsen that's, that's come in now and like his desire to improve is huge. You know, it's difficult because he's playing behind Emmy, so it's like making sure that he's learning every single day. There's not just coming in, being the number two, and disappearing. He's mm. getting better and better and better and better, yeah. and that's how your environment needs to be in order for everybody to keep pushing each other and for me to feel like the underneath is growing yeah. which it is I mean the department now is hugely full of young international goalkeepers that are thriving in, in, a, in a first team environment try to get them in as early as I possibly can to help them develop help them get comfortable in a, in a first team environment playing with the best players in, in, a, in, a, in the Premier League mm-hmm. and they just if you can help them if you can guide them if you can be there for them then the quicker they learn and the more comfortable they feel
0: I'm going to have to skip ahead now to a, a bad time in Dean in, in Smith's sacking five defeats on the spin ultimately led him to losing his job Wolves, Arsenal, West Ham and then Southampton on, on the front of Spurs, Wolves, Arsenal, West Ham there, a tough and run then run Southampton run. we said before yeah, we were prepping it's a pretty tough run to be honest Yeah. Um, I'll come to your position in a sec what were your thoughts on, on Smith losing his job
2: like you said I thought it was a tough time for us I think any any team really in the Premier League, if you come against a tough run like that, can lose five games. And there's some of those results, you go Got one goal as well. F- like tough, like like was it which Wolves game was it? Was the one? Was it at home? Did you get lose three two? Was one of like the f- deflected free the kick, and yeah. we were winning the two game, weren't we? Yeah. Two 0 up with like five ten minutes to go. That's the one, and it's like all of a sudden that it was like the momentum turned. It was huge. We were cruising that game, yeah. and that's like the what Premier just momentum's tough you know once you once you lose that momentum a team gains momentum it's hard to then stem the tide a little bit
1: we play we play father side perry bar Thursdays one team could be nine nine goals up the momentum, momentum swing <laughs> it is.
2: and then as you learn you get more experience you have to break that momentum whether you go down you just you take your time with everything you break it right down you just go Phew, that's it you know we're just gonna we're just gonna stop the tide a little bit yeah. um but yeah, like I say, that was a tough run of results, but we kind of, once you lose five games, you know, you're, you're on the edge and it's, 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 and I think he, he kind of saw it coming um, yeah. and difficult, just difficult time because we, because what we created, we created a, a philosophy and a culture around a football club that was enabling the club to move forward. It was really progressing, really moving forward. Everybody was in it together, like I spoke about before, and that was that was going to disappear.
0: Your own position quickly. Obviously, you stayed on. Gerald comes in. We'll talk about it in a sec. Doesn't, doesn't bring a goalkeeper coach from Rangers, as far as we know, anyway. So you you stay. Is there any period where you're thinking, "Well, I came in with Dino. I might be out the door as well."
2: I think you always feel like that. I think you feel like that. anyway. Your job's never safe in football. Ever. It doesn't matter what how well you're doing. Doesn't matter what you've developed, what you've created, the philosophy and and the environment you created. In in football, it's. You can, you can just be gone as simple as that and, and um, I was always told I was more of a, a club appointment yeah. once I moved from West Brom to Villa I was told I was more of a club appointment than a manager's appointment but you always know in the back of your mind that a new manager comes in, brings his own, his own staff in Then, and I was always I don't want to be a spare part yeah. I can't I can't live like that I can't work like that I'm not that kind of person got my views got my ideas got the way i like to work the way i like to be and what i can't be is a spare part sitting in the corner and a bit of a yes man i can't it's just not me it's just not the way i work so i'd rather not be there and not have to be a yes man do you mean than be there and sit in the corner and just nod my head that's just
0: not me i'm going to jump ahead you can come to Joe in a second i'm going to jump ahead because i saw a comment on twitter yesterday i think about you and the your position since you've obviously left the club now I'm kind of doing a weird weird order here it's talking about Emery there's like suggestions that because you've become like this well-liked fan favourite court hero status whatever it is they were saying like even though Emery's bought a goalkeeper coach with him Neil Cutler should have stayed as like head of goalkeeping and some people are saying well that kind of undermines Emery's position as bringing yeah. somebody in so obviously we'll talk about you leaving in a sec but yeah. if you'd have stayed and been in a different role would that not have worked either?
2: It's just difficult isn't it? It would have been difficult to Xavi coming in and working with Emmy and having me in the background probably would have been difficult for him so I don't hold anything back I would not would never you know, say anything bad or negative towards the new staff that come in because I know exactly how it is and I know exactly how it works and I'm, I'm big enough and ugly enough to understand that that's football that's how it is obviously devastated devastated to leave the football club i built what i'd built over 4 years was working brilliantly that the young boys coming through um, the way Emmy was performing everybody was was developing really well um, but that's football that's, that's that is exactly how it is and if you if you go into the game naive to think that you know you're above that then you're going to have a you're have a nasty uh, experience so you've got to you just got to understand it and know it and that's that's just that's just the way it is and players move on people kind of move on quickly players move on very very quickly the club moves on very very quickly um, somebody said to me I think I spoke to the club doctor yesterday he's like you're not feeling any bitterness towards the games and anything like that I'm like I've got a lot I know how bad it is to lose football games and have the feeling the last thing I want is Villa to lose games mm-hmm. right and not develop and not move forward with so many people that I like within the infrastructure and and obviously I got on, with, got on so well with with the supporters and, and they've been Outstanding to me, like amazing with me. So, I just want the club to move forward. I want it to develop. I want it to keep getting better. I want it to keep growing.
1: Yeah, how was it with Stephen? He, he kept you on. How was he? For yeah, a few weeks? really good. Not like, awkward at
2: all. Yeah. Like I spoke about it earlier. It's like um, he's uh, he's a really good person. Really good person. So straight away got in. We had some really good discussions. I told him I was all in. Yeah. You know, like you know, I'll give you everything I've got. Even though I was really close to Dean, obviously difficult in that way. But he trusted me, backed me, um, allowed me to get on with my job to the best of my ability, never questioned it, never... um, There was never any kind of negativity, just allowed me to come in... Well, allowed me to just do my work every single day. Um, So never any issues, never issues like... I would um, bounce a lot of stuff off him. He was brilliant. And it was... Like I say, it was just a tough time. It was a tough time. We didn't win enough football games to, in order for him to to keep his job. At the end of the day, so, and a lot. Spoke about like I like I said earlier. Like I keep saying, some of that was down to to bad luck. And you know, like we with so many games, we, we we should have scored more goals and we didn't. We had a real lack of goal scoring at the time. Like we really struggled to put the ball in the back end. Started off
1: so well, didn't it? it? was pushing your Man City's Liverpool so hard. You thinking, great. Great times ahead, yeah, but
2: yeah, yeah, it was totally different in terms of the way we set up, in terms of um, formation wise, and the way we went about our work. And we were narrow and we pushed from the inside out and we pressed from the inside out. Yeah. Uh, we made it difficult for teams at the end of day, just within that formation, didn't score enough goals.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, we kind of moved away from any threat of relegation that year, I suppose, which probably was never because I always said. I was very much a Dean Smith fan. I always thought Dean Smith probably would have got us to 14th at some point. It yeah. was my kind of opinion. But steered us away from that. And he kind of was always the talk about well when, when I've had a pre-season, when I've signed some yeah. windows, that's big for me. Next year, we'll just kind of we'll move on. Obviously, you were both in Australia for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, following Neil around. <laughs> yeah. Trying to get the interview what was the preparation like in Australia did you come away from that feeling well prepared for the, the next no, season not at all the opposite
2: in fact really? like yeah like, we went into that Bournemouth game feeling really prepared and shocked like the result shocked us all like we were I think we were unbeaten pre-season I don't think we lost the game yeah. like we, we felt yeah like, tactically good to, to, like signings were made early look we were we were at it like And then we got to the first game and it was a complete shock to the system. They brought something different to what we expected. They went a little bit more direct, struggled to deal with Kiefer Moore. It was Kiefer Moore, wasn't was yeah. it? Kiefer Moore like, had an unbelievable game Like and they were at it. Um, and it knocked the stuffing out of us, really did. Kind of similar, and I kept saying it before the game, similar to the Watford game, the first game of the season. Was that the season before? Was, yeah. And we turned up to Watford and we were like, we were like we had a decent pre-season we all felt organized we all felt ready and we got turned over by Watford and I was saying at the time I felt like you know that we were at it and we were ready but a bit apprehensive because I'd what, been through the season before you know like and it happened exactly the same thing again like you feel good you feel organized and you feel ready and then all of a sudden it's like oh my god where's that come from you know like and it kind of went on from there a little bit. Yeah,
0: one of the things I don't want to go into like specific resorts and stuff too much one of the biggest talking points away from the kind of resorts themselves was the captaincy situation obviously switching it from Tyra Mings to, to John McGinn again fans would have possibly suggested Martinez would have been a, a candidate yeah. to be the, the number one kind of captain I know he's vice captain or in a leadership group or whatever mm-hmm. I know you wanted to ask about McGinn in a sec but what did you think about that captaincy change?
2: I think it's a real difficult one you know and it's a like I think it's a, it's a tough one because it, it is a big kind of responsibility and it is a, it is a, a pressurized. He's you know, the captain of Aston Villa football club. Um, I think Ty has been better through not being the captain. He just dealt with himself, and that's that's good for him. You know, that's been much better for him. It's made, allowed him to just concentrate on him and what he does and nothing else. Um, Different with Guinea. Guinea's played in positions where he probably hasn't flourished. It's probably not his favourite position. But what what Guinea does, he just gets on with it. Doesn't moan. Doesn't complain. Gets on with it, and that's him in a nutshell. Like he's he's a leader in terms of the his tenacity on the pitch, the way he goes and we he heads into into games. His character off it's very very good. You know, like his personality around the place is excellent. Um, so captain wise can be. It can be a bit of a poison chalice. You've got to be able to pick the right person in order that's going to flourish from being a captain. Emmy would flourish because of, he's so emotional and he's so driven. He's and, he's and he's huge in terms of how he wants the place to be. Um, and he would, he's like, culturally, he's like proud. He's a proud person. So to be the captain would fill him with pride more than anything else. So him being a captain would fit his personality really, really well. Um... I don't think it's affected Guinea's game in terms of you know the pressure on him has affected him to the point where he's not performing very well. I just think with Guinea, he's just played in positions where it's not suited him as much as yeah. other positions, you know, like he's a, he's a top. Top class player who's going to give you everything he's got every single game. So I just think he, he maybe flourishes a bit higher up the pitch.
1: So yeah, what's about John. Give us a flavour of, of, of Guinea around think the place. I everybody
2: knows Guinea. I don't know his personality. I yeah. know what he's like, <coughs> he, especially on the pitch. Like he just gives everything he's got. Like he's a hundred percent committed. Like he'll give everything um, around the place. Jovial, you know, positive. Yeah. Like you need some, you need people like that around the place. You do because it breaks up that pressure. It breaks up that relentless kind of winning kind of mentality. Everybody's like, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning, and that pressure of winning. He just comes in and breaks it all up. Like a top top character. Been so difficult for him, but you know, like he's been under a bit of pressure in terms of his own position. But it's just gone on with it. He just doesn't moan. Never hear him moan. Like he's like, I think he's like, I could be at Saint mirror like I'm at Aston Villa Football Club. Like <laughs> brilliant. Like he's. Which is brilliant as like a personality, like so grounded, so down to earth. Got time for everybody. Yeah. Just a lovely, little driven guy.
1: Yeah. You spoke about the Bournemouth defeat on the opening day, and not the results. Just the wheels fell off towards the end. Um, yeah, the results wasn't great. How was how was how was it Villa at that time?
2: No, it was just a struggle. Like I, like I said before, we had, we were unlucky. We created chances and just not scored. Um, and it was just, I think it's just you know like. You change formation, you change the way of playing. Um, I think we got rid of the wide players. So couldn't really change in terms of, of formation too much, um, and just the lack of goals. Like we we needed to create a little bit more from full back areas. We didn't manage to do that, um, and then the goals just dried up. And I think when when you when you're playing in games, and you, you're not scoring, and you're not scoring, not scoring. You're going to get hit with a sucker punch in the Premier League. Someone's going to score. You, get, you just can't. You've got to score when you're on top of games. You've got to score, and that's just that just didn't happen for us.
0: Yeah, I just felt like there was again. This is me with my fan hat on. It just felt like there was times where I just couldn't see what we were doing. Like yeah. you'd have McGinn and Ramsey covering full and you think we well, are better off just leaving the full-backs back and letting McGinn and Ramsey push forward and, and play in more, a more natural position for them you're just a so there about McGinn it's difficult
2: because we we're expecting our full-backs to get higher and yeah. wider and create from those areas and it's something that's worked for them in Rangers Rangers did it really really well Liverpool did it really really well um, and it just didn't happen for us you know like and then obviously probably not got the players and they wanted to get in um, didn't help
0: yeah changing McGinn I'm not having a go at McGinn but I like changing him to the captain it almost felt like Gerald had made him his man so he was then like undroppable I think, it,
2: I think it was different to that I think it was I think, I think Steve was concerned that Ty wasn't playing very well and to take the pressure off Ty a little bit and I think Guinea was the next one along when you're talking about a personality he probably was the next one to come in and be that personality in terms of being the leader and the organising and and having having that uh, you, you know what he's going to give on the pitch you know like he's a hundred percent um so being that leader in terms of his endeavor and his drive and his attitude was was he's probably the next one along and i think i think the press made a little bit too much of the fact that he had stripped ty of the captaincy when i don't think i think he was trying to help him more than anything else yeah. and it's works it's work because ty is now he's now flying he's now back to his normal you know his normal self so yeah. um
0: Let's talk about Gerald leaving the club then. Fulham was obviously the, the breaking point for him, which was, I mean, it was horrific, wasn't it? Let's, yeah. let's face it. How do you assess that kind of end period though? Because we got kind of these good results. Obviously, a draw against Man City, beat Southampton, all those at the expense of any kind of creative attacking football, yeah. just about got over the line. Fulham specifically though, how, how bad was that?
2: Yeah, um, I think people felt the pressure around the building. Uh, before that game I think that there was a kind of a you know it just felt like it, it was going to happen before
0: I kept saying on the podcast that it felt like being on a knife edge yeah, and, and it that's was as a reporter because I thought at any point we might see a club statement and we have to kind of burst into life that's and do right. work and it, but. and
2: it is like that isn't it and I think the players felt it I think everybody felt it and I think that culminated in the performance I think it was just a bit like you know in the atmosphere it wasn't great because of that because of results, because of what was happening, and because of the anticipation of you know any day now the manager could be sacked. So I think that that culminated in. I think the result against against Fulham, even though we were, the, the players were 100% driven to, to perform on that day, I just think it's, it's just what happens when the feeling around the place isn't right. That can happen.
1: Yeah, I was in my next question. I think we've already mentioned it. Was even a little bit misunderstood.
2: I think so, yep. I think so. But I think he's quite guarding his personality, guarding people who, that he trusts. I think that's from coming from being a top, top player. You know, like, there's only, you have a group of people around you that you trust, mm. and then you kind of, your personality doesn't show as much, doesn't shine as much, and people don't get to see you as much as a person as maybe they should do. Um, I think that's, I think, you know, I, think, I don't think we got to see the best of Steven Gerrard definitely not
0: just talk us through the, the night after Fulham from your perspective how does that unfold like, how do you find out about it does he come in the room So say oh lads have been yeah sacked? it was a like...
2: tough one for Steve because like, he was told at the game so we obviously we were on the bus coming back is that awkward mm, not really so much awkward it's just a bit it's just disappointment really disappointing how the game turned out disappointment you know the, the manager's lost his job there's obviously the staff are going to lose their job as well Good, he's got good people around him. The staff are really good, good people that we got on really well. So obviously then you've got them losing their jobs and it's like, then the back of mind are going, am I going to lose my job? So it's like, just like, um,
0: You're kind of holding on to that club appointment thing thinking, well, I might survive this.
2: Yeah, well, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's not even that. It's just the fact that it's like, you just don't know. You don't know. It's like, you just have to keep getting on with it. I thought that me and Danksy um, might take the team after so trying to get my head around that, we were trying to get our head around that a little bit. You know, some games coming up, we need that we need to win. Um, so yeah, it's just thinking about obviously with Steve more than anything because you know how driven he is and you know how driven his staff are to, to to win games and and to make make the club better. And 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 he's just been sacked, so it's just a disappointing kind of time. It's like it's, it's a horrible time, really. Yeah, spoke to him since, Stephen. We've texted, we've texted a fair bit, yeah, just to make sure he's all right, his family are okay, and yeah, good, he's fine. You think he's enjoying a bit of a rest? I think he's he's preparing himself to go again. So, yeah. it'll be interesting to see where where he goes in next.
1: Um, you in Danksy then, in charge of the Brentford game? How has that? Been well a couple of days.
2: I mean, I've I've did it did it a little bit at West Brom, I did it at Warsaw, so I'm kind of experienced enough now to be able to step up and you know help help a manager run the team or a caretaker manager run the team. Um, it was quite difficult for Danksy because when he first came in with uh Dean he was given a role where he had quite a lot to do he was quite a big player in, in, in Dean's coaching staff but when Steve came in and he brought in his all his own staff Danksy's role kind of then diminished and didn't really have a lot to do but Danksy's driven like a real driven coach that wants to coach he wants to be on the grass he wants to be putting together presentations um and his details, phenomenal. So I think he felt a little bit stifled under Steve. That's not Steve's fault. Steve brought in all his own coaching staff, so left very little for Danksy to do. Whereas um, I think his frustration, Danksy's frustration was he, he, he was desperate to do more. He was desperate to coach, he was desperate to have a say. So when his time came, and he could take the team. I think everybody then could see what he what he what he is as a coach and how he performs as a coach and his detail that he that he does and how he how he puts his presentations together, how he sets up his teams. It's fantastic. Yeah. Just um, just like his his he, his methodology behind what he does is is, is very very good. A
1: brilliant game, nice afternoon for you both, wasn't it? Really.
2: Yeah, I mean obviously you have a bit of a bounce back after a manager leaves and then the, the, the players were, were fantastic you know like they just went into everything we asked them to do and just, just hit the ground running so um, we couldn't have asked any more of them really they were, um, it, was a, it was a great first game obviously then we went to Newcastle away it was totally different <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> won't say. talk about that
0: <laughs> yeah. from, again from a fan perspective I'm, I hope I'm not being too in- intrusive but you kind of wonder if they can play out that against Brentford yeah. why couldn't they do that before?
2: I think there's a a few things I think in the game it could have gone either way a little bit in the first probably half an hour like when you're playing against a team that's we're talking about momentum they've got real momentum so they're on a real journey Um, and then obviously Emmy going off and then the penalty which we felt was unlucky you know like the penalty was unlucky Um, and then once they get two goals it's like that's hard to come back from that especially when there's no real manager in the building in terms of, you know, like, there's obviously caretaker manager and there's us and then it's just like, it's quite easy to fall from there. I think they struggled after that, really struggled. 2-0 down, I think it could have been, I uh, 8.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like. 50% win ratio, not so bad. Yeah, not bad.
2: How's, uh, how's Aaron doing? What's, what's next for him? Good, yeah, he's just, I think he's been offered a role at Football Club, I don't, I'm not sure what that role is, but... Um, I think the club need to keep him around because of his ability and his knowledge and his experience and what he brings. I think they need to keep him around. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm not really sure which direction he's going to head at the minute, but I know the club have offered him a role.
1: Yeah, Another person who's probably a bit, bit misunderstood
2: as well, Austin McPhee. Yeah, yeah I, I saw Austin, you yeah.
0: speaking about this on the Ben Foster podcast, the yeah. Nottingham Forest game. Can you just kind of retell that story for us?
2: Yeah, I think firstly, I think, I think Austin is misunderstood. I think... He's been a massive eye-opener for me. The detail that goes into his set pieces are phenomenal, like from, like I've never seen before. Yeah. He's got this thing called Trackman, where you can gauge exactly the spin, the pace, the dip, the height, all, everything you need to know. So if you've got a free kick from, say, two yards outside the box, you'll know exactly who suits that position in order to get the ball up and down and in, and that's he's, his detail he goes into he's got his own analyst and because set pieces are huge now on the other yeah, they're massive so detail he goes into is phenomenal now with set pieces it's not always going to be perfect because basically you tell them everything you give them all the detail and it's up to them whether they do it or it. not yeah. yes it's, it's it's just up to them you know they've got to buy into the detail so it's, it has been difficult for him but his knowledge and, and the way he goes about setting up his set pieces is, is fantastic he's yeah. like brilliant been been a massive eye-opener for me i've learned a lot from him
1: you know I kept him on for a reason as well like, like his work
2: exactly right he's he's detailed he's, he's very very good at what he does um, so yeah in terms of um, the issues we had at Forest were I think we'd had three free kicks all of them had hit the wall so we were like Steve's come in at the end of the game and gone what the hell's going on here you know you do all these set pieces you've got all this equipment you've got your own analyst you keep hitting the wall we're wasting our time so Austin's like this is not right this so he goes away he does all his own work and he, and he actually he came up with the fact that the, when when a referee strides out he doesn't stride out a yard he averages about 0.8 yards when he strides out and not all of them actually go a straight line and exactly 10 steps. So he actually measured out that the, the walls against Forrest were something like seven yards. Oh. So he's been practicing a wall 10 yards away where they're getting up and down perfectly and into the back of the net. But they're like seven yards away. So he had a meeting, he's gone away and had a meeting with the referees and the, meeting, the referees have come back and said, you know, you're right. And they've, they've gone right we will make sure we'll ensure that that the wall is 10 yards back every single time now that's all good if you're a striker but if you're a defender if you're trying to keep the ball at back and that, which is my job, yeah. now I've got more to do because you've got the likes of some of the best players in the world taking free kicks that can get the ball up and down quite quick. So now
0: it's more difficult. So And the contrast to that was Luca Dean's free kick against United was about 12 yards. Exactly right. Big
2: but but it probably wasn't. It probably stepped out 12 yards knowing it was 0.8 every time they do it. So it probably was around 10 yards. Yeah. Again,
0: sorry to be the bearer of bad news. We are going to talk about you leaving the club now. We, <laughs> we touched on it earlier. Again, just the the insight, of what, how do those conversations happen? Are you pulled into a meeting? Is it a phone yeah, call?
2: Yeah, I mean, I had quite a few meetings along the way with Johan, and mm. Johan was quite honest with me in terms of he couldn't tell me either way. He didn't know at the time who was coming in or you know what their decision would be or what the club's decision would be at the time. Um, and like I said before, um, my shoulders are wide, you know, I can... I, I'm, I, if if a, if a staff come in and they don't want me around it I'm not going to stay as simple as that. that that is it I'm done I'm gone um so I think I think uh Unai was due in on the Tuesday I got brought into the office on the Monday and had a good chat with Johan and he was just honest in terms of you know that they were going to let me go and um the new staff were coming in I think nine staff were coming in um and just, just thank me for for all I'd done within the space of four years. So, I had no arguments. I didn't want to argue. I didn't want to walk away with any kind of negativity. I, I think I've I think I've come away from the football club with it being in a better place. I think the goalkeepers are developing uh, that we've developed through the system, a philosophy that we've developed with Martin Ayler and the other goalkeeping staff. Uh, Jonathan Flatt and Mike Pierce, they were really good coaches really bought into philosophy really started to develop these young goalkeepers and um, it was all working seamlessly well so I could walk away kind of in a positive way rather than a negative way I didn't feel like I was it was kind of walked away and it was all negative and I actually felt like a bit of pride that I'd, that I'd actually come away from the football club with it in a much better place
1: Yeah about, I'm, Emmy's, Emmy's message to Neil Best thing is coach by Miles, and, and what next for you now? Go again in the new Taking year? Taking
2: some time, like, uh, it's just I've been in football since I was professional football since I was 17. Like I've never had, I've never had any time off. I've never been away from it. It's the first time I've I've been sacked from a football club or left a football club. Um, so now it's time to be with the family, be Mrs. with the kids. In, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, for for how long I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just taking time to reset, you know, mentally, physically, just to you know, reintroduce myself to the kids. Um, I think they're happy. I'm at home more.
0: Nice. How old are they, by the way?
2: I've got uh 11 year old twins 11 tomorrow 14 year old boy and a 23 year old girl so it's busy in my ass. yeah it's busy, busy in my ass, yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah it's it's just now it's just to take stock watch some football watch the world cup spend Christmas at home and then see what comes up um like I say it's a good opportunity now to step back you know keep learning I'll be going into football clubs looking at you know, I've got a lot of contacts in the game where I can can go and visit you know and learn and keep learning um so that's the most important thing, you know, is to not just step back and and you know, you know like wall around the house. You got to step back, stay fit, and and learn, and keep learning, and keep talking to people. And and like I said, luckily I've got a lot of contacts in the game where I can just ring them up and ask some questions and go in and and go and see other people work. That's, that's how you
0: move forward. Would you ever consider a management role, be the number one somewhere? Um,
2: not really. I think my what I strive to be is the best the best i can possibly be in terms of my position of a goalkeeping coach i want to be the best i could possibly ever be i'd love to be an international goalkeeping coach i really would love to Is that england? with <laughs> england yeah i would like that that would be the massive thing for me that to to, mm-hmm. to be an international and it's like i've i've represented england all the way up to like i came through lilleshall national school i've yeah. i've played for my country all the way up to 18s i have you know like i've been a part of all that and know what it's like to be an international footballer, and just to be just to be anywhere, anywhere part that would be amazing for me. So, to be like like going away and seeing Argentina, they way they work. I've been away to Sweden, seeing how they work, right. and to be part of that international setup and to understand that is is something I'd like to do. But it's just again, it's just seeing what comes up in the in the new year and, and seeing you know something else might come up that I think would would suit me. Um, so we'll see. You know, like I'm I'm driven now to. To keep moving forward and as keep. As
1: far as the data not be on the blower, no?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. It's it's. I would never want anybody to lose their job. So he's got a goalkeeping coach who's good yeah. in Norwich, and he's not the type of person to do no. that. that. That's he's. They've got a good goalkeeping coach up there, so I wouldn't want that.
0: Just went on something a, a little bit more positive. Emmy's obviously a very Emmy Martinez as heavy as you'd expect in, in this podcast. What are his chances of, of lifting the World Cup? Do you think?
2: I think they've got a big chance. Like I said, I went to see him. Um, <laughs> A few months ago, and went to see how they work, and they were fantastic. That they're, they're, what they've—they're on a journey. That group are um, got a great group of players. The togetherness is fantastic. The culture they've created around the group is really good. Um, obviously, they have started off with a bad result, but that can happen. Any World Cup that can happen to any team because you always get the shocks. You always get that team that come out and surprise you, and I think they surprised them. Yeah. Didn't quite know how to break them down. Um, wasn't patient enough in order to break them down, um, and got a bit got a bit like. Forcing things and it wasn't really calm enough, and but they'll be all right. They'll learn from that. They've got another two games to to win. So, knowing the group as they are, they'll be they'll they'll win those games, and then you know they'll be flying. Yeah. Um, I think they've got a massive chance, huge chance. Yeah, Messi's the Villa fans now watching along. Yeah, I think I sent I said it all in my in my text, yeah. in my tweet. Um, They've been fantastic to me. ever since I bought for the football club, you know the, the connection I had with them was was phenomenal, and I've had some unbelievable messages through from from fans wishing me all the best and thanking me for what I've done. So I can't thank them enough. They've been, they've been outstanding. Um, I went to I went to watch them with the cup game. At Old Trafford Trafford and stood with the fans and it was eye opener. Not really, just we stood out the way. My little boy, took my little boy and just, just you know, just to just to stand with them and see what they see and and, you know look at it from a different perspective was was big, was huge. and you know, like I said before, they've been—they've been, always been fantastic. But to receive some of the messages I did was was unbelievable. So I can't thank them enough. They've, been, they've been brilliant.
0: Yeah, and we can't thank you enough for this podcast. You've been very generous with your time. Sorry for no keeping problem. you so long. No saving cameras the cameras. Yeah, saving that life from falling oh. over. Brilliant. Got all the time
2: in the world now. <laughs> we can stay <laughs> all day. <laughs> uh,
0: no, brilliant. Answered every question we wanted to. I, I think uh, really, really good. Thank you very much. No problem so, uh, Ash, thanks for your uh, your help on this as well. And if you've uh, enjoyed this podcast, then please do subscribe, leave a like, and comment down below. As well, uh, your appreciation for me, I'm sure, won't go unnoticed. Neil thank you very much for your Cheers, time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your thoughts and comments. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the Villa.